Welcome to Buy, Grow, Sell, a podcast for entrepreneurs looking to acquire, grow, or exit a business, hosted by Simon Bedard. Hey there, it's Simon Bedard here. If you're brand new to the Buy, Grow, Sell podcast, then welcome. It's great to have you on this journey. Since its launch, I've interviewed many entrepreneurs that have bought, grown, or sold a business. And in some cases, they've completed all three steps and started all over again. Our goal is to share the stories of business owners that have traveled at least part of this cycle so that we can learn from their experience. Whether it's the dizzying heights of success or the hard lessons learned through adversity, we get to the heart of what drives success and how to apply these lessons on your journey. So join us for the best insights, interviews, and inside information on how to buy, grow, and sell a business straight from the entrepreneurs who've lived and breathed it. If you're looking for a motivation boost, Fred Shabester is your man. From his success stories alone, you can see the importance of dedication and perseverance. But we can also see how important it is to push the boundaries and challenge the status quo. Fred's first success was a marketing agency that he bootstrapped while at university and eventually sold for $1.3 million when he was just 22 years old. Knowing he'd caught the entrepreneurial bug, Fred went out looking for new and exciting projects to tackle. By 2003, the internet was finally getting some serious traction and companies like Google were beginning their ascent. Fred saw an opportunity to launch his next venture, Finder.com, which has now grown into one of the world's most successful comparison websites and is valued at over half a billion dollars. Since stepping back from the day-to-day responsibilities at Finder, Fred has continued refining his methods and adding to his stable of successful companies. He's currently scaling Shabesta Ventures, which is focused on helping other entrepreneurs achieve success, and HiveX, a rapidly growing fintech specializing in trading cryptocurrency. In this episode, Fred reflects on his first ventures as we discuss where he succeeded and where things didn't work out. We cover everything from how Fred got into self-employment through to his first business sale, and from there we discuss how Finder achieved massive success and the growing pains that came with that. One of my favourite parts is hearing how Fred knew it was time to step back from the daily management of Finder and kickstart the businesses he's actively involved with today. I hope you enjoy Fred's story. Fred, welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me and awesome work on everyone listening to this. They just found the most amazing podcast. (laughs) Thanks, Fred. (laughs) Mate, um, from what I can tell, you've had a really interesting and diverse journey as an entrepreneur. Tell us a bit about how you got started. Well, I was, um, you know, I was, a, I was a hardcore computer gamer, a bit of a university rebel, and I was installing computers into people's houses, and I started um, networking computers, and I started building websites, and then someone wanted me to build them their site, and I, I got into that, and um, once they built the site, but <clears throat> they needed, you know, I was like, what else can I, you know, sell to this customer, and they said, what else do you need? So I called up all these customers, and one of them said, oh, there's this website called GoOogle, <laughs> and I was like, go Google that word of it. And they're like, yeah, anyway, it's like the yellow pages, but can you get us to the top of that? I said, all right, I'll figure it out. And um, that was the journey, you know, really into internet marketing. And I think internet marketing has been a great journey for me. Obviously, we built the agency and sold that. But, uh, you know, I think it's really about being curious. I've always been very curious. I'm always, you know, when I was a kid, I, I just climbed trees and rode bikes and like, you know, and skateboards and stuff. I, I don't know. I, I swam in the pool. 
but I was very curious about exploring my environment and always trying new things. And I think I carried that through. I'm, that's what I think, you know, enables me to be creative and creation is what I'm all about with enterprising and, and being an entrepreneur. I think I'm much better at the creative stuff and the new stuff. Uh, but that's really where I started. Yeah, awesome. And uh, I think for a lot of people looking from the outside in, they see you probably in the press, the media, you know, see the success of a company like Finder.com. And, you know, it's it's easy to make this assumption that um, it all happens very quickly and, and, and somewhat sort of easily. Tell us a little bit about some of your background. I mean, have you been in some other ventures that, that you know, obviously haven't achieved the same sort of success? You know, I think the first business was a really tough business. You know, Frank and I spent... A good, I'd say, four years living on spaghetti, and you know, we didn't have toilet paper. We didn't have a toilet seat actually in our house. We used to, we used to live together. And we ran it like an Airbnb. Like you know, this was grinding it out. We used to use. I tell you what, I strongly suggest the uh, TV guide is not the best toilet paper replacement. <laughs> it, yeah, never quite bit, recovered from that. A bit harsh. Um, <laughs> yeah, you want to go? Oh, the Daily Tell is not so bad, um, but you know. <laughs> I think there's a lot of struggle, a lot of mistakes, and all of those mistakes were really that investment we made in the early days, right? There's huge amounts of sweat, equity, and capital that have gone into what makes Finder today. You know, we started working together in 2003. That's like a long time ago. And just the number of lessons you learn from 18 years of enterprising, you know, you stack them all together. That's the investment. It's, a, it's, it's really hard to see because it's, it's in the decisions that we make because we know but other people you know, may not know those decisions. But the only reason we know them is because we've made the investments in order to try them and experiment. And we've got, you know, I've got a solid, like, you know, good, 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 you know, chest of success. But I've got an even more impressive couple of football fields of failures. They're like, they're amazing, man. There's some serious contraptions there and, you know, some real harebrained ideas that, but they taught me everything, you know, that I, I really have, you know, I continue to use and employ today. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and how much of Freestyle Media, your first company, how much of that kind of do you think really fed into the success of what Finder is today? It's massive. You know, it, it made us, it's an agency, right? Agencies don't have really um, that many scalable things to sell. They're mainly service businesses. And so what you do is you, you know, you're selling your time, and essentially, by selling your time, you you have to make an arbitrage on that, and that was really the, the only thing we could, we knew how to do. Uh, and that was a grinding, grueling business. It taught us, you know, how to collect money, you know, free cash flow, how to, you know, find the right crew, and all those just the most brutal lessons you could ever possibly learn at such a young age. The actual biggest challenge was I never actually worked for another company, so <laughs> I, I learned it all <laughs> even harder. And and. You know, we didn't take any capital in, so it was all our money. And so we, we basically had to trade off free, free cash flow. And that is capital, right? But it's, it's even more brutal, right? So you, you live and die by your decisions when you're so inexperienced. And then so, you know, I, I, just, I just don't forget those ones because they, they cut so deep uh, and so hard that you just don't forget. Yeah, surely that's got to give you some sort of an edge there, right? I mean, I, th- I think it's easy when you work in a large corporate or something, you know, it's not it's not your money, it's someone else's money, right? I mean, if you if you really kind of screw up, okay, you might lose your job, but really you're not going to lose your home, right? So, I, you know, I just sort of, I, I, I imagine that having done it yourself, bootstrapped it, done it with your own money, struggled through that, surely that's got to give you some kind of an edge in the way you, you look at your business and the way you make decisions. 
Yeah, I think, you know, what it comes down to is that struggle and pushing through that and figuring that out. That is essentially being an entrepreneur. That is enterprising. That's what it actually comes down to. And you risk capital. So, and when I talk about capital, I mean time and money is one thing, but motivation is another. Health is another. You know, I got really quite unfit and unwell for quite a period of time. And you trade that in order to potentially get an upside, only potentially. And you need to be very comfortable and aware and conscious that that's only a potential. Now, you know, if you focus on it and you're clear with your intention and your purpose, then I believe that with enough enough effort, you know, that, that potential can turn into great success. And that's what I think a really brutal set of grinding people who just don't give up and keep finding and being creative and innovate, innovate our way out of problems. So, out of interest, take me back to, um, to Freestyle Media again. I mean, uh, was this the first business that you'd actually sold? Yeah, it was. And what was that process like, actually, you know, dealing with buyers and... We just went and we spoke to a bunch of block buyers and we explained the business, we presented it to them, what, they, what it does. And it was a pretty small business. You know, for, for me, it was the entire earth. Like it was the whole thing. But for everyone else, they were like, you know, what are we talking here? And for them, it was almost a mild rounding error. For me, it was a big deal, right? Um, because I've never seen that much money before. And so we just went and sold it ourselves. We didn't have an advisory. We didn't know. We just made it up. We just went, hey, this is what we're doing. This is what we want to sell. And, you know, someone made us an offer and we were like, that's a pretty good offer. We had a counter offer and then we said yes. And then we went through a due diligence process, you know, got all the accounts through the accounts. It wasn't a massive business, so it's not super complicated. You know, finders are, you know, you're talking four different currencies, five, six different currencies. You're talking multiple legal jurisdictions, you know, a very big corporate structure, you know, multiple different accounting standards, all sort of kind of wrapped into one. And yeah, a lot, a lot more complexity and and risk, I guess, in that. Um, this was just, a, you know, for me, it was a big deal, but it was a relatively seamless. It was a, it wasn't that we we actually negotiated with a law firm just to have a, you know, we only paid them two and a half grand to read through the actual document. In the end of the day, <laughs> just said, you know, because we used to have the money, we had no money, and yeah. so we were like, well, give us the best. They're like, we'll read through it, find any red flags. We we're like, done. It was like 150 pages. They, they flagged a few things and then we were like, okay, and then we signed it. I don't I think I've ever, I even read the whole thing. It was just too much. But it was just, <laughs> you know, it was, a bit of, it was a bit of that back then. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Did, did, I wonder, did that experience of selling that business, did that, did that shape your outlook a little bit in terms of your next venture? Like did you start the next venture and find a thinking that we're going to build something to eventually sell it? You know, I, actually, when I st- we started, I, I didn't really think we were going to sell it. I just thought we were going to build a great business because it was a it's just a really good business. It's a it's a good free cash flow company. It's a profitable company. And, you know, it's a it's a good business. I think that's that's what we made on this time. And and I think we sort of that's what I was really setting out to do is to make something which ticked along by itself and it was scalable. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if we had an exit in mind. We were just like, hey. This is a good business. Let's get into this. And, and so at what point, I mean, obviously you must have, you, you had all this experience with the internet and, um, you know, getting exposure and SEO and all this sort of stuff. So clearly, you know, that's the nexus, you know, for the idea of, of Finder. But it, was there a sort of point in your timeline when you went, wow, this, this idea, is a, this is it. This is really a big one. This is, this is different from other ideas we've had? Yeah, I think 
you know, I, I was coding the site and I was, you know, doing SEO on it and writing content, calling up partners and stuff like that. And what I remember was it, 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 it when it started to make more money than we were, you know, I, I think we probably, it, it started getting like really exponentially ratcheting up. And that, 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 you know, and it was making significant, you know, I think I remember we crossed 25 grand in a month and we had myself and I had a, a part-time guy who worked with me. And that, you know, probably came from 12 grand a month before, five grand a month before that. Like it was serious ramp up. And I think we just, you know, took that and went, okay, can we just, let's scale that. And I went and found a whole, you know, obviously a group of individuals and started to scale it and started to think this could be a real thing. And, it, and every single thing we did, we added to it. The more energy we put in, the more it just grew. It was like one of those things, you know, flywheels when you, when you push it and it goes faster and you put more energy in and it keeps going faster and it, like that yeah brilliant and um and what would you say have been some of the biggest challenges you've faced in building finder you know i think we had obviously a massive google penalty that was not not the best and google's always one you gotta you know it's a you gotta wrangle with and i think we, we we've done well to recover from that i think i've lost my- can, can you talk us through that a little bit or is that yeah you know like we lost about 80 percent of our traffic overnight we lost it for about three months so you know i kind of we kind of maybe contravened the, the, the best practices, you might say, of what Google wanted. And then we recovered from that. We went and fixed it all. Um, and that, that took a lot of work, three months. of all, I think it was 12 of us all you know, just focused on that. And you're not building the business then. You're, you're, you're trying to recover it. And that's, yeah, not the most fun time. It was a very dark time, actually. And, you know, I think I'm replacing myself. So there was one point in time where, you know, in finding myself again and what I was contributing to the company because, you know, there's a lot of roles that, are you know, I don't do, but there's a lot of people that that do them and a lot of, you know, I remember this point where I just stopped going to leadership meetings and, you know, and it didn't really matter. But that's just the nature of myself. I I don't know if that's my best place every day. From time to time it is, it's good. But I think that, you know, the operation of the organization and its, its you know, cadence is, is good. I think the strategic creation, I think that's where I figured out is I'm much better at. And in that moment, I went and flew over to the U.S. and started the, the U.S. business over there. Yeah, great. So, so how long, I mean, that, that uh, I guess, extricating yourself from the day-to-day, you know, is one of the great challenges I think that most business owners out there face. Um, certainly, it, uh, it has a massive impact on value when they think about exiting and retiring or moving on. How long would you say it sort of took you to get to that point where you just sort of said, hey, you know, the business just doesn't need me doing this anymore? I'd say maybe five or six years. That's when I was... When like just completely not really needed. Was there something in the business that told you that? Yeah, oh, like was it a revenue thing? Was it a staffing thing? Oh, just no a... one reported. Oh. How did you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a great sign. <laughs> so there you go, listeners. You've got to build it. <laughs> yeah, it was just very nice conversations, and those nice conversations led to the point where it was clear that maybe other people should report to those. And I was I was in agreement, and actually, I, it was my goal as well. You know, I, I didn't. I didn't, I, it was my goal to extricate myself, but then you know, then you go and build a bigger business, and then you know, there's lots of creation and lots of new things, and you know, that's that's really where I've moved to now. I run Finder Ventures, and we just create new things continuously, continuously inventing and you know, innovating. Yeah, the most bleeding edge, cutting edge stuff, and we're playing, and we're just yeah, all around the world. It's lots of fun. 
Yeah, cool. And so what are some of the latest things you've been looking at? I mean, we've obviously read and seen a bit about the Finder app and, you know, obviously you've um, you've been doing Hive and HiveX and, and a few other different things. So what are some of the bigger things you're looking at at the moment? Yeah, well, crypto, you know, I'm big on crypto, pretty big. You know, we just launched buying and selling Bitcoin and Ethereum in the Finder app. So that's it takes three minutes to onboard, deposit and buy or sell. It's pretty cool. It's it's very innovative in that sense. We've been playing with account aggregation we just got approved for open banking in Australia. We're the first fintech, one of the first fintechs to do that, particularly a first comparison site, at least. And really just, you know, playing around with that kind of technology, playing around with what's, you know, future and what's possible. That's been really exciting. I, I'm really big into decentralized finance right now in, crypt, in the crypto space massively. I really, really love that. So, so talk us through for the for the layman out there who'd be wondering what that means. What, what, what in simple terms does that does that does that actually mean? It means you earn interest on your crypto. So basically, you know, everyone's one of the biggest complaints people have, and they, they talk about oh, and, and people who not who are, who are not into Bitcoin, they go through all the arguments, and I've, I've heard them all. And you know, like I, I don't almost if, if you're not into it yet, then I don't have time anymore to explain it. So one of the big one of the big critics is you know one of the criticisms is you know you, you can't get anything. Well, that's not true. You can get a yield on your Bitcoin. If you stake your Bitcoin, in other words, you you know deposit it in in in, in traditional finance terms, then that essentially can earn your yield. You know, from four two to four percent interest, which is kind of cool, right? Considering the you know most banks are paying between zero point five and one point one percent interest. You know, it's, it's, it's quite, quite compelling. And, and I think that's just the beginning, right? So decentralized finance has now um, created decentralized exchanges, decentralized market making. There's so many different, you know, elements of decentralized finance um, that I, I absolutely love. I, I just love it. I don't know why. It's just it's so just right in my wheelhouse because I think it's technology, finance, and marketing wrapped up into one. And I think and money, really. Money's kind of cool as well. Well, money's cool as to what it can do, for sure. And, and decentralized, I guess, in the sense that it's it's no longer controlled by just one party or government, right? I mean, it's a market-based driven Correct. commodity, fundamentally, exactly right? right? Yeah. It's the people's yeah, money. Interesting. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's democratized, yeah. right? So, um, and... And so we're seeing, um, I think it was Chile this week or last week announced that they're sort of looking at um, recognizing Bitcoin as, as uh, official currency. You think we'll see more yeah, of well, that trend happening? Yeah, well, El Salvador passed the, the law, so you can actually read and translate that. And so shop owners must accept Bitcoin now in that country. Wow. That's kind of a big deal, yeah. right? That's, and, you know, I think a lot of the challenges are, you know, you're living in Australia, the US, the UK, or you know, in Europe, where there's a stable currency, and let's, stable currency is an interesting word right now, given the inflation and how it's picking up. But you, you, you know, you take this stable currency, and what I think is interesting is when you translate, you know, the fundamentals of of that to a country where it's not stable. What is your alternative? You know, if you're, you're experiencing 50% inflation like in Argentina right now and you go and make your wages, you get a 1000 bucks, and at the end of the week, you're worth, it's, worth a, it's worth 500 that, that, that causes a problem. And so you need a you know, mechanism to exit that. And, and, and cryptocurrencies are one of those channels that provide that. One of the things that's happening right now in Venezuela is police and, 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 and army and the army are actually seizing Bitcoin miners. 
So what's happened is during COVID, electricity prices have gone to almost zero. And so it's basically free electricity. But the problem with well, then so Bitcoin miners are starting up, right? The currency is inflating away. It's not worth anything. People are carrying, you know, stacks and stacks of money worth, you know, cents in the dollar. And so they're running Bitcoin miners, earning Bitcoin and then translating that, ch- changing it back into fiat with whatever they need. But the, the, the police and the army are uh, basically ruled it out as illegal. And it just gives you an idea, right, of what, it, what, is, the, what is the use case of this? Well, if you want to exit the system, if you want if we, where it is not, you know, feasible to deal in the currency that is forced upon you, then this is a way to do that. Yeah, I guess, uh, and, and just for those listening, a fiat currency is just those uh, basically operated by the by the government of a country. Um, so, so I guess you know, you, no doubt, and this is what you're saying before is that a lot of people talk about the risks of of cryptocurrencies and things like that. But essentially, what you're saying here is that it's actually de-risking things for for uh, transactions, I guess, and and even lifestyles for many people in the world who whose traditional currency 100%. is perhaps and, and yeah, not as stable and reliable. It's tough to see that and those use cases. One simple thing is, you know, we allow our staff to take 25% of their wages in Bitcoin. You know, that's because they, they that's what they believe in and that's, that's absolutely fine by us. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. And I think I imagine we'll see more of that as a trend uh, going forward. You know, it's obviously Tesla and all sorts of people are in the in the press talking about this sort of stuff as well. So it's it's clearly the early early part of a of a very large trend. So out of interest, um, I, I noted you were quoted in the AFR a while ago about um, you know you know certainly some competitors had had listed on the exchange. Um, you know, just coming back to Finder here, but. And, and perhaps had run into some other issues. And I guess you were quoted in there saying that you were keen to sort of keep Finder in private hands for a while and, and keep focusing on growth. That was a couple of years ago. Has that outlook changed for you at the moment? I mean, where, where do you see the growth happening for Finder? Well, you know, I think we are, you know, in a phase of continuing to innovate and deliver what the customer wants. And, you know, what the customer wants is faster, um, more seamless, you know, ways to save money. And now what we're starting to do as well is to offer ways people can invest their money. And you can do that in the Finder app today already. And I think there's a massive runway of expansion and innovation that we are um, engaging in and we're going to continue to, to do. You know, and I think at its core, we keep rolling out our service around the world. So there's massive, you know, continue to roll out our geographic expansion. You know, US, UK, Canada businesses are big. We obviously market heavily into Hong Kong, Singapore. We just acquired GoBear in Southeast Asia, which is a a comparison service there. And, you know, we'll just continue to, to continue to do that because I think it's um, it's needed, right? We want to serve more people around the world. And and is li- listing on the horizon at all? You know, I, I think, you know, I, it's an interesting idea and it's something which some of, you know, we've had a lot of quite intense proposals around of recent. I bet. You know, <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm still very focused on the core and I do think, we, you know, there's probably something... Um, we'll do that. We, we have been working on some plans around this, and I think it's probably, you know, I think it's a good time for us. I think we've really got an incredible opportunity where we are, and I think you know, the founders are very young and they're very ambitious still. So <clears throat> it's just, just really, just the beginning. I think it's still day one. Now that's very exciting. Cognizant of, of time here, Fred, but um, you know, for all the listeners out there and and all these business owners, entrepreneurs trying to make their way in the world. Is there one sort of piece of advice that you give to your fellow entrepreneurs? You know, I, I just finished writing a book, actually. It's got 10 of my top principles um, that I actually, you know, use. I didn't write 
a book on how to make money. I didn't write a book on, you know, how to lose weight. I didn't write a book on, you know, rules because um, I break all the rules. And this book's, this book's about the principles and ideas that I use. And I think they're eternal. And I think they can really help uh, business owners in, in what they're, they're, they do. You know, I think so one part of that, I think, is at its absolute core, the key thing that's very difficult as an entrepreneur in the beginning, if you're very enterprising, is to focus on one thing and make that one thing your competitive edge and focus on that capital allocation of your time, your team's time, and go all in 80% on that. That is really hard and it's high risk and you need to work through that. But that, 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 that thinking and that mindset is, I think, absolutely essential. I think CEOs or founders have two key responsibilities. One is to operate the business and the second one is to allocate capital and time. And one of the big things in that is their actual allocation of time and capital. So their actual time is capital. No, that's fantastic. The book sounds amazing. And and when will it be available and how do people find yeah, it? Yeah, you can jump on my website, fredshabessa.com, and there's some links there to Amazon and Booktopia, and you can pre-order it. Yeah, and that's coming out, I think, at the end of July. Awesome, awesome. Well, you've heard it there, guys. So make sure you get out there and order the book and pre-order it so you get your copy nice and early. Fred, is there any other way that people can follow you, follow your story, connect with you? What's what's the best way for people to do that? I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. I'd say very. So come and join me there. And I have a little group where I share my ideas in called the Disruptors Club. And, you know, I do a little bit of um, Instagram, but I don't know if I'm I'm the most Instagrammable. I'd try. But um, definitely <laughs> my LinkedIn is probably if you, if you, if you want to, you know, immerse yourself in what I have to say, come on, join me there. Fabulous. Well, you've heard it there, guys. So uh, jump onto LinkedIn, follow Fred's uh, profile and join his group if you can, if you're looking for more of these tips and, and just, you know, following entrepreneurs who've actually been there and done it. Uh, and I think that's the big difference is, you know, the world needs more implementers and perhaps less educators. So uh, you've heard it right there. Fred, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks very much. The ultimate freedom is to own a company that is valuable, scalable, and saleable. Find out how you score on the eight factors that drive company value by completing the Value Builder questionnaire. Upon completion, we will send through your business scorecard so you can see how to maximize the value of your company. Just go to exitadvisory.com.au forward slash scorecard. The Buy, Grow, Sell podcast is brought to you by Exit Advisory Group a boutique M&A firm that helps business owners maximize company value and exit at the top of their game. To learn more about Exit Advisory Group, you can go to exitadvisory.com.au. And if you like what you've just heard, you can subscribe at buygrowsell.com to get a new episode delivered to your inbox each week. Thank you for listening to the Buy, Grow, Sell podcast with Simon Bedard. For complete show notes with links to additional resources, visit buygrowsell.com forward slash episodes. Simon is the founder and CEO of Exit Advisory Group, and you can follow him on LinkedIn. LinkedIn.